The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. We're back for another special interview. Great rugby chat thanks to theraw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate and your home of all the biggest and best rugby discussion kicking around. As always, you can have your say under the new episode page each week on the Raw or hit us up on the socials or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review too. I'm joined by Harry Jones once again. Um, And once again, mate, you are a little bit excited about who we're about to speak to on the pod. Oh man, I cannot wait. I've, I've really been uh, eating, drinking, and pumping iron ready for this one. <laughs> um, the best tight head prop in the world that's mm-hmm. rummaging and defending tight head. I guess there are some that are better at, at uh, drawing uh, offloads and, and throwing dummies. But um, we have France Malarda, the reigning incumbent world champion tight head prop for the Springboks to chat with us today and uh, yeah I, I can't wait to get to jump in so let's just get right into it the raw rugby podcast now i generally do all the intros and everything on the podcast but this is one of these occasions harry where i'm just not quite sure i'm going to do it the same level as justice um, as i know you will so mate take it away who are we about to talk to so yeah this is a very special day i've been preparing for this like a prop <laughs> uh, I actually tried to put on my prop jersey from uh, primary school, didn't fit. Uh, I was uh, I just chasing down a deer and a lamb, punching them to death and eating them. I was I was doing all kinds of prop things, you know. I was uh, I was getting very ready. I've been pumping weights, but now we have a very special <laughs> guest, uh, and this really helps our pod squad. As you know, we've been forming a team. Mm. This is going to really shore up our front row. He's a Stormer Centurion. He's uh, almost half century at the box. He's a World Cup winner in 2019, coming close in 2015 against New Zealand. Uh, he's not an easy team to keep a jersey, a number three jersey in, but this guy has it. Uh, it's a cornerstone of the box grammars, which, as you know, won the World Cup. What else can I talk about? Um, well, you could feel you know, free to talk to him anytime. <laughs> no, it, it, this is a long intro. It's a long intro. And look at that jersey you're wearing, Brett. Thank you. Thanks for wearing a, a Western Province That's jersey for our genuine guests. Genuine Western you Province, might, mate. You might have guessed by now that we're talking about the pride of the Dasdorp, a tight head rocket, a national treasure, France, Malherbe. How's it, France? Awesome, guys. No, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's awesome uh, spending some time with you. Uh, you, you you're too kind, Franz, and you, and you may well regret that in half an hour's time. We'll see how we go. What do you, um, what yeah. do you make of the kit here, Franz? This is, uh, this Harry sent this to me recently. This is genuine Western province, early nineties. You said, didn't you, mate? Yeah. 1990s. This is, yeah. this is, this is proper. Hey? Yeah. That's a special Jersey. I remember having one like that when I was little as well. Uh, my mother wanted to throw it away because I wore it every day and there were so many holes in it. And <laughs> so weird again. <laughs> yeah, so France, I, I, I'm, I'm always defending you in the Aussie press because, you know, they, they portray the Bach uh, props as just big heavies that run around and all they do is scrum. I mean, I just want to point out, in the World Cup, you were the eighth most busy tackler on the Springbok team. 
Um, I mean, you know, more tackles than many backs, uh, more tackles than many uh, Lucy's. Um, I think you've never been carded, am I right? Is this true? Um, no, no, no cards in a test, no? No, not in a test. No, I haven't had a, in yeah. a test. So there's a lot of myths going on. I, it's interesting that these Aussies are getting carded like crazy nowadays. What is it about the Springbok forwards that you guys don't get carded? I mean, Jasper Visa maybe, but the rest <laughs> of the guys, Peter, Peter Staff, kicks off, they're not getting carded, not getting in fights. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I think it's a, it's a in, it's like an individual thing. Um, discipline and you know repeated infringements and whatever, whatever it's the the reason for the cards is. Um, and I think like a while ago, say a few years ago, there was like this stigma around the box forwards getting cards. So you know, it's something we wanted to change. Um, like it, it almost felt that the stage, you know, is becoming a trend. And it's easy for us to guard the Springbok forward. So I think, yeah, I think the forwards have done well with that, um, not giving away unnecessary cards. And, and, and you know, to be honest, uh, I don't know what this exact stat is, but if you look at yellow cards and red cards, if, you, if a team gives away a yellow card or any card, the chances of them winning are very low. So, you know, it, it just became so tight. With a card, you're going to struggle to win a test match. Yeah. So I see you, but you're in the, your training gear for later today, but I know you just came back from the Karoo. And for our listeners that are non-South African, I never went to South Africa, the Karoo is this kind of soul place, this uh, lonely place, beautiful place in South Africa. It's undefined. There's no borders to it, but it's, Kind of like a desert, but not really a desert. Uh, you have frost in the morning. It's, it's hot in the day. Uh, tell us about the Karoo. I know it's uh, special and dear to you. I know you get some, get some good land there and, and you have a good time out there hunting. Um, you know, what do you do in the Karoo? Is that where you go to kind of calm down and relax? Yeah, so it's, it's a very special place, very close to my heart. Um, it's like a semi-desert um, Mostly sheep farmers, and then there, wherever there's a little bit of water, they'll use that for irrigation, um, some sort of feed. Um, but yeah, I grew up in a farm outside Bedarsop, so the the farm life and the outdoors and the agriculture were, 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 were you know, part of my life since I was born, and became good mates of farmers in the crew so it's normally a thing of to go visit them and yeah to spend time in 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 the outdoors in the crew it's it's a very very special place it's it's special people that live there um very tight communities um a big part of the crew were you know, I had a drought of eight years now, end of last season, beginning of this year. The drought was broken, so it's an awesome place to visit now. It's green probably for the first time in eight years, maybe 10 years. Um, but yeah, obviously, a little bit of farming, a little bit of hunting, a little bit of making a fire, something like that, you know. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, it's actually we, we spoke to Sukopi Kipu, the Wallaby prop, you know, the hundred cap Wallaby prop recently, and he spoke about finding your true north and mm. going into these test environments where you know everyone's screaming, maybe you're running on, maybe you're running off, but you have to do a scrum, right? Then maybe it's for the whole thing. And he talked about, you know, staying calm. And I was wondering if if that's part of why you go to the crew. Uh, to just kind of chill, you know, and uh, and uh, relax a little bit. Yeah, I think obviously everyone's different, but for me, it's it's yeah, the chill and to to recharge a bit. The stuff you don't get time for when you play rugby or when you're in a season or when you're training or whatever. So obviously the championship is going now. So the teams in the URC that's part of the championship played in, in, in championship games uh, last weekend and this weekend. So we trained in the week and we're off weekend. So there's an awesome opportunity for me to, you know, to, to visit the crew, to get away a bit, get your head, um, get your head a bit clean. Um, and yeah, to just take in some really fresh air and yeah, just feel some dirt on your feet again and sit in the sun, whatever it might be. Yeah. Is, it, is that something was, you've always done, Franz? Is, is it something you've always just tried to get away from the game from time to time? I think so. And it's not it's not only it's not only um it's not only the Karoo, you know, it's spending time with family and friends as well. Um but yeah, I'd say so. Especially, you need. I think you need a little bit of a a a a, a space break at some sort, even if it's just for a weekend. You know, it's not like um, you need it once a month. Um, but you must do what gives you energy as well, so that when you come back, you're recharged again. Yeah, I was I was joking, uh, France. I doing some research for, for this, I was looking at your social media and I wrote an article about you, which was that every time I see any picture of you, you're holding something, a baby, a beer, a wine, a gun, uh, <laughs> something. I, I actually, I was unable to find any photograph of you where you're not holding something. And I said, that's why he keeps the bind. You're always holding something. <laughs> <laughs> Constant, tr- your, your trigger fingers on. Um, no, so tell us about Gagasdorf. It's a motor, small town, bottom of Africa. For those who don't know, we think of Cape Town as the tip of Africa. Actually, Cape Agulhas is. It's where the two ocean currents collide. There's, they're moving in different concentric circles. 15,000 people. There's a shipwreck museum. Is there a ship? Is there a monument for uh, Maru Atoji there getting shipwrecked when you tackled him in the World Cup final? Uh, flight school some weaponry factories. It's an interesting little town. And we, uh, you know, I think you know this, we spoke to your high school, uh, well, he was your, I guess, primary school coach, Sas Duplessis, <laughs> and he gave us some nice nuggets on you. But you no, know, tell us about growing up in Bredasdorp, uh, coming up, you know, barefoot under 13s, um, you know, just learning rugby that way. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very special place. I go back there as often as I can. Uh, I was actually thinking of going there this weekend, but you know, it's it's it was really awesome privilege I had growing up. You know, some people from 
you know, the cities will will think that they will eat it there. But I see myself really, really privileged to have grown up there. I mean, it's a small town, very agricultural based. Um, and I grew up on a farm, which was between Bredasorp and a place called Honiston. It's it's a little coastal town. So, you know, I was probably 10 k's from town and we were 10 k's from the ocean living on a farm. I mean, it's, 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 it's really, I don't think you can get it any better than that. But yeah, and I actually didn't, I didn't, uh, this might be a cool story for you. I didn't want to play rugby like when in the beginning of primary school. And I remember um, he's actually also in Australia now. Um, living there, the, 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 like the primary um, hostels, headmaster. He had a, he had only one, he had only one leg. And he, in Cape Town, there's a very, very. He lost his leg in some sort of accident. I can't remember how. In Cape Town, there's a quite a famous cycle tour. It's called the Cape Argus, and he finished finished the cycle tour. With obviously, he's, well, I don't know what if he had prosthesis or whatever um, he did, but obviously only one functioning leg. And the one that I just wanted to go to the farm because obviously after school you need to train rugby. And if I mm. stayed for training, by the time I got to the farm, you know the day would be gone, and there's nothing, and then I can't spend time on the farm. And so, like my first, second, and third year, which is grade, in our terms, grade one, two, and three. Um, it's the ages of seven, eight, and nine. I uh, didn't play rugby, and the one day, obviously, traditional small town, you don't have the numbers to fill up teams, and he came to me, there's probably one sh shortage of players, and he came to me and he said, well, hey, don't I want to play rugby, but I, I tell him I want to go back to the farm after school because, you know, otherwise I can't spend any time on the farm. And he said, but I'm wasting, I'm wasting a talent because I'm, uh, I was probably as big as I'm now. And he said, you're so big and you're not playing rugby. And I said, okay, but what? Said, yeah, look what he did with his, his one leg finishing the August. Imagine what I can do on a rugby field. And it's more of a guilt trip we put me on. <laughs> and that's how it all started, man. It was like nine or ten years old, started playing rugby in the doors or um, barefoot. You open pray, you don't get the first game in the morning because then you take off the dew on the fields, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's an awesome, awesome place. Um, you know, the ocean probably right around you. Agriculture and it's it's yeah it's awesome to go back there still today. France wasn't a very he would he would laugh when I say it he wasn't in the front line when it came to practicing and running around the field and all that type of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think he's still like that. He said um, that you you were the take the ball forward guy off the line out. Uh, if you're close to the to try line, they would give it to you. Which is actually interesting because later on, I think you the try you score for the box is exactly that, right? You yeah. take three Canadians, take three Canadians into the trial and take them with you. Khaleesi, he's everywhere. 
Kalisi and Kalisi to short. Comes away, Red. Ducking down low there, yeah. fronts Malherba. Malherba has South Africa's 10th try and his first. 150 kilograms of Kobe beef gets over the line. <laughs> But he also said, Sa said, there was an aspect about you that, that was really good technically, which was your, your back is so straight uh, and you push your chest up. And so you're basically able to split, you know, uh, Hooker and, and Lucid. Um, I'm not sure he was taking credit for it. I'm just, just saying that he noticed it when he said you came from, you know, strong farmer, your dad's a farmer. Um, and that was something he noticed. And he also said he never kicked in a match. True? Have you ever kicked in a Have you ever kicked a ball in a match? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe in primary school. I eh? was <laughs> since, not since high school or after school. No, I don't think. I love kicking actually in training, but you know those eight studs boots we wear. But twenty-one millimeter studs. This was it's this was a, exactly what I was going to ask uh, you, France. Have, have you have you? This was the test. Have you ever owned a pair of boots that only have four studs in the front? Because that's the test, isn't it? I think I had. Eh? When we started, uh, when we were fourteen years old, we started to play with boots the first time, and because you didn't know, and we just mm. bought a pair of boots. You know what I'm saying? We didn't know what's going on, and like. After one or two games, the coach said, no, 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 no. Let me take you to the shop and let's get you another That time I was in Austria, you know, my parents are far. Um, the shops are far. And they said, no, I'll drive you to the shop and you can buy you pair of 18 stars, six, eight studs, 16 studs in total. You played You played against some pretty good schools in that area, Overberg schools. Right? You had Montague and Swellendam and those guys. Reinhardt Elstadt may have played against you. Yeah, so I, I went to another school in when I went to high school um, in Paul. So I was only there until grade seven, which is 13. Um, I think the Montague fixture came later after I left. Um, and Reinhardt was, I think, is two or three years older than me. So we never played against each other in the countryside. Oh, yes, there's... Very good schools, eh? like Armanus, Calidon, yeah. um, that you mentioned now. And they they, they, they they travel further, you know. The schoolboy rugby is so so big these days. They travel to these festivals. I remember Bredastrup High School going to Oakdale um, and a lot of Cape Town-based Cape Town schools as well. I remember we played against Jan van Riebeek, which is a... Which is a City Centre School in Cape Town. Yeah, we played against those guys when I was a kid coming up uh, as well. But I, you, you never have to worry playing against uh, Reinhard Alstak. It's only if you're on the same team. He'll smash you on the same team. You have to watch out for <laughs> Friendly fire. I don't, know where, I, I don't know who taught him to clean rocks, but I would be scared if he was clean rocks on my team. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's players. Eh? He's a very physical guy. So let's talk about the bind. Uh, everyone's, you know, having trouble with scrums nowadays. They want to reform it, change it, make it quicker, whatever. Um, but in reality, it looks like a lot of the problems start with the bind. When people change their bind, lose their bind, something like this. I look at your bind and, and, and it's, it's a long one. I mean, I think actually sometimes people don't underestimate you're a tall guy, you got long arms. You actually come long on your bind, and then you and then you pull in. Is this fair? Is this kind of how your long bind works, or 
that's just part you know, of the secret of the scrums. It is, to be honest, there's not a lot of secrets. I think it's where you're comfortable and what works for you, you must stick to. The long bind is actually a compliment. I hope, I hope the refs listen to this because <laughs> they, you know, they want us to. They say, you know, it, it's a cue for them. If the tight head binds long, he's fine or whatever. I, I, I can't remember. But, yeah, so we try to bind long to give the ref a good picture. Um, and then, obviously, it's, it's long. And then as soon as you, the scrum engages, you try to close with your shoulder. You can't keep it long there, if it makes sense. You can't right. do it like that. It's a pre on the bind before the set. You keep it long, and then when it comes in, you can't you can't rebind and bring it shorter. There, where you bind, you can bring it in, you can pull it, but that's fine. But you can't change your bind. Um, and I don't think it's that a big thing. It's if the scrum stays up and the scrum is good, they're not going to blow you because you change your bind. It's more thing, you know. They look for pointers when the scrum does not work. Whose fault is it? Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, but and, it's and I think I, I think directionally I, as well. You, I think your point on the bind is 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 fair, but you're also it's impossible to stay completely square. I mean, you're trying, you're aiming a little bit to split the hooker from the loose head, no? And uh, and he's trying to do the same thing to you. So sometimes when you look at the picture from above, the bums are pointing out. It's not like you're going, you know, straight. Um, the refs have to guess a lot, no? How do they? How do they know? Yeah, I think so. Like I said, now the ref, the refs have pointers they look at. If there's a messy scrum, they would look at certain pointers. If it's, you know, if they can pick up whose mistake it was. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting. You know, we're not. If you think about the dynamics, say eh, like this, there's obviously front rows. So the loose heads. Obviously, they're going to do that. Yeah. And if they push you, where does it start? They, they push you in, actually, to be honest. Um, because I don't want to go in straight away. Because then you, the loose head is going to eat you alive if you open up to him like that. Right. But, yeah, it's an interesting thing. And, and, and it goes back to my previous point on you must find what works for you. And where you are comfortable, and I think everyone's different. Um, sounds very cliche now, but but everyone's different in the scrum. Everyone's comfortable in other positions, and it's ultimately what works for you, where you feel the strongest. Are there, are there days? Are there days, friends, where you you mentioned yeah you wanting to present the right picture to a to a referee? Are there days where you realise that you've got a referee where you're going to be able to get away with things. You you just know you're going to be able to get away with stuff. Yeah, uh, that sounds a bit bad because now I don't want to. <laughs> no, I, but, I thought about asking you to uh, name names, but I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> if you chat to a ref before the game and you say that he tells you, listen, watch out for this or don't do this, the other team complained about this, that you do. Then you say, okay, cool, I'll fix it. 
And then as you go on, you ask him, are you happy with it? You know, 10, 20 minutes into the game, after a few scrums, are you happy with it? Or if there's an issue that he blows you for and you fix it and check in with him afterwards, are you happy with it after like 10 minutes or whatever? And if he... Do very quickly understand if he's not happy and if he's happy. So... <laughs> Obviously, if you if you talk and he, he, he communicates back to you, that's always a good sign. Mm. Um, and if he does not blow you again, you know, obviously, okay, then you're in the mix, then it's better. But you also get those days where the guy are just not open to talking any yeah. communicating thing, and you just know today you're going to get nailed by Ruth. <laughs> do right. you think? Um, <laughs> do, do you think there's some merit in in? Rassi Erasmus' idea of having a specialist scrum referee come onto the field? I think so. I definitely think so. Um, but on the other hand, you know, there's, there's, there's very well, there's ref that has a very good understanding yeah. of scrum. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Obviously, if you get the right guy in, a, a scrum specialist, and he's the right guy, and not just opinionated in one way our scrums work, then I think there might be some value in it, yes. Yeah. Are the, are the dark arts still a thing? Like, are, are we are we starting to uncover things here or is there certainly certain parts of scrummaging for front rowers that you guys still want to protect? You still want to protect some of the dark arts, surely? Yeah, definitely. But um, <laughs> I don't think it's, I don't, I think it will be difficult to be put in words as well, to be honest. Yeah. I think, it's, 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 it's certain tricks how you get your body into certain positions that will be difficult to, you know, to, to, to relay over into words, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, I, think, I think, you know, by now, I don't know how exactly old you are, but 30, 31, you've probably seen all the tricks by now, no? Finally. Uh, you know, your, your debut was against uh, Geffen Jenkins, I think, in Wales. I mean, imagine this. You're 22, 23. You got to go in against that guy. Um, there's a, just a certain amount of IP you, you get over the years. But you had wonderful hookers. I don't want to diminish your accomplishments, France, but look, you had Bismarck, you had Adrian Strauss, Malcolm Marx, Bongi and Banambi. Scott Britz can hold your beer. Um, so, you know, <laughs> like you had some wonderful hookers. And I know as a tight head, you this is everything, right? You have to have you have to have your mate right next to you. And and you um and you, you were blessed by having really good hookers at the box. No, no, definitely I can't agree with you more. You know, that's that's probably one of the biggest secrets um, for a successful scrum is that you must be in sync all eight and I think people underestimate that fact a lot they talk to the props in the front row a lot but I think it's all eight as stupid and as cliche it might sound and then obviously your hooker um, like you said I've been fortunate to play with very good hookers and yeah your hooker is very very important especially when those dark arts and tricks come into play you know you can be very very quickly you can be dominated if your hooker does not understand that and understand how to adapt um, of something, if that makes sense. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do any dark arts against Bismarck. Yeah, I think he might sort me out at the next ruck. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, it's very different hookers too. You have Bongi and Malcolm right now in the box setup. 
And it looks like Jacques and Rossi have almost, it's not really a bomb squad so much as two different front rows that actually belong together because Malcolm's about your height. Uh, so then you have you know, Kits, Kitsy, uh, Malcolm and you, and then you have kind of a squat short guys, Trevor, Bongi and uh, Ox. Is that how it's kind of working, the height issue? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it started off like that. And then the World Cup, it started off like that. And then it, it got mixed up. You know, Trevor got injured. And I slotted in with, you know, Beast and Bongi. And then um, Kitty, Malcolm and Vince came on. And then against the Lions, it was, you know, Trevor, Ox and Bongi and myself. Malcolm and Kitsi, it it does help. The height is a thing. Um, obviously, your hips are much more in line. But when I have to scrum with Bongi, you just adapt to that as well. So there's definitely merit in that, but it's also not an absolute. Like me and Bongi have to scrum together. We just do um, our changes we need to do, and then we take it from there. My big question is, why don't you have cauliflower ears, France? Everyone else has cauliflower ears. <laughs> what's, your, what's your secret? One is coming along. Eh? It's still not <laughs> as it can yeah. be, but it's coming along, and I'm trying to manage it as best as possible I can. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, man. I also thought, you know, when I started playing rugby professionally, I thought, like, in 10 years' time, when I'm 30, I'm going to have the most ugliest years on the planet. <laughs> but I realized that it's not actually scrumming, eh? It's like an impact. It's like a collision or contact to the ear that triggers it. It's not scrumming. So, mm. yeah, and I think the scrumming also does not help it. But I think the, the strapping around my head might help for it. I don't know. That's not why I do it, but yeah, yeah. I think that also takes the year. But but it's interesting. It's not yeah, cauliflower doesn't come from scrumming. It comes from a knock or an impact directly on the ear, yeah. which makes it which 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 makes that it starts bleeding, and then that blood in that area gets hard. That's actually what happens. The Raw Rugby Podcast. You mentioned you, you, you're changing front row combinations and, and things like that just before. How are you guys able to maintain, and I'm talking about the spring box at this point, how are you guys able to maintain your combinations when you're all coming in from so many different clubs and so many different combina- uh, competitions now? Is it harder than it, it ever has been for you? Um, no, because, you know, Bongi was with the Stormers for four years mm. and left Sharks now. So I don't know how it's going to be to scrum with him again after such a long time. But if that happens, you know, it's a, it's a matter of spending time together, training together, sorting little stuff out, getting to find each other where each of our sweet spots is, if that makes any sense. We, but we both are at our strongest but yeah, it's, that's what. Yeah, that's. I don't think it's harder. I think it's actually good because then you sort it out in training camp before before games and before season. 
because you know it's it's not nice trying to sort that out in season after you got a hiding if that makes sense yeah so yeah. i don't think it's that it's just spending a time spending a bit of time together before before the season starts and that'll be fine yeah yeah how how do you guys feel like you're shaping this year coming into your july internationals rugby championship later um was was last year a Everything was so up for the line series. Was was everything after that like a bit of a, a bit of a come down? It was a bit of a bit hard to take for you guys. No, I won't say because before before the Lions, we didn't really play a lot of rugby. To yeah, be true. honest. So it was like a thing of you know let's we had to make the Lions to a success with probably very 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 little rugby, which was tough, but. And then we got into the URC, which is like the first URC we participated in. And then we, the South African teams didn't do really well end of last year. Mm. And then all of a sudden this year, we are winning probably 90%. Yeah, everything. Winning 90% of the, of the games. It was, all, it was all home games. And we're touring now next week again. But that was really nice to see. And you're asking about shaping. It was Awesome to see the South African teams getting back into it, um, winning games, and yeah, we'll see now at the in the in the knockouts and in the um, later stages of this competition. I was going to go, but yeah, I think we we did really well um, coming back from all that average results end of last year, and I think things are looking good. I think you know we. We've had two Springbok camps already, um, and yeah, there's there's a lot of excitement and a lot of potential. And I don't think it's a it's a it's a downer after the the Lions here. It's definitely not, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So jump into some of the some of your Buck teammates uh, to give us a little bit of a flavor, because sometimes people from outside South Africa don't know how funny these people are. But yeah, who's who's the talk? Who's the most talkative guy? Who's the most chatty uh, Springbok nowadays? Jeez, man, um, that's a difficult question. The most chatty, most talkative guy is probably Faf. Um, that's not surprising. That's not surprising yeah. at all. Come off. Um, <laughs> yeah, Faf comes firstly to mind. Um, and it's daylight second by the sounds. Yeah. <laughs> Who, who, yeah. would, who would be who would who would be the Springbok that you would not want to arm wrestle? Who's the who's the arm wrestling champ? <laughs> yes, we haven't had an arm wrestling competition, um, but I'd say, geez, he's retired now. Would probably beast. Um, mm. So, oh like, yeah, that's probably why we didn't have any arm wrestling matches because nobody would want. To. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Have you do you have you ever actually scrummed in a game against Stephen Kitsoff? I was just thinking about this. Have you ever faced him? Jeez, I think I know we scrummed against at school, we scrummed against each other at school. He's a year younger than me, but we've played against each other. He was uh, he was Paul Ruiz and you and your boys high. Yeah. Oh, that's a good that's a good matchup. Yeah. No, I don't think we've played against each other. We scrummed there you go. Each other. Yeah, we've never played against each other. Franz, I, I love a um, I love a good steak sandwich at the at the rugby, particularly at club rugby. What's your 
what's your go-to barbecue bry meat for you? Jeez, that's also a tough one. Guys, why keep the difficult questions for last? But yeah, I'll have, to, <laughs> I'll have to go. You know, we we spoke about the Karoo. Um, yeah, we spoke about the Karoo in the beginning. Um, you know, the 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 there's a thing called bosses. It's like little bushes that that grows in that area, and it's it's like very herby and very spicy and whatever. The sheep and the lamb live off it in the Karoo. And it's like you get a thing in South Africa where all the lamb that comes from there is certified Karoo lamb. So that's probably my go-to, eh? I'll yeah, definitely right. go any piece of Karoo lamb on the fire. Sounds fantastic. Nice. I'm Sounds getting hungry. Fantastic. Yeah. Speak, yeah. Speak, speaking of eat, eating, France, uh, there's a legend going around. You can, put us, you can tell us if it's true or not. There's a legend that in Japan you lost five kgs in the pool match against the All Blacks. Is that true? <laughs> Yeah, I also I also saw that thing somewhere, but no, it's probably true, but uh, it's not a fact. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a problem, but it was not it, measured. Or, uh, it's not it's not on paper and definitely a fact. Um, <laughs> I played before or after that game, but you know it was very very hard and very human. Not impossible. I read yeah, that. You, yeah, you made 13 fact. tackles in the game. I think that's what the, the legend is based on, the fact that you had actually made 13 tackles, which is amazing for a, a prop. Yeah, it's, 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 def it's definitely not impossible, but yeah, it's not a fact. <laughs> Franz, a, a last one before we let you go. Um, I, and I know you've only played a couple of games back for the Stormers this year and, and in the URC competition, but I'm wondering whether you've found a difference between scrummaging in the urc and scrummaging in, in super rugby and obviously in australia we've we're feeling like we've got some decent front rowers up front with you know tupo and bell and slipper and alalatoa yeah what sort of guys you're coming up against in urc and how are they comparing to, to what you would have come up against in super rugby you know it's a it's an interesting question um i i think you know, where the Northern Hemisphere are normally and traditionally are well known for, you know, the game is tight, it's wet weather, it's rainy, keep it tight, keep it with the forwards, very set-piece based. And then I think to myself, you know, it's, 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 it's actually not, you know, they also play the ball, they also take it out wide if it if you, if you look at a team like Leinster or Munster or Ulster or the Irish teams, they can keep the ball for easily for 10 plus phases. Um, but anyway, that's not answering your question. The thing is, I would have loved to know if COVID weren't there because I feel like everyone's feeling their feet after COVID. Yeah. But I don't think the Southern, Southern Hemisphere say so for instance super rugby or any any less good than European yeah. scrums. I think some of the scrums might have been easier in the URC than it would have been in super rugby. Yeah, right. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. It's weird. I didn't expect that to be honest. And and you know it's 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 a it's a probably a wild claim to make because I've only played, you know, four, five, six games. Since my injury um, again, um, which was against and, the Wallabies, you know, wasn't it? 
No, I injured myself against the All Blacks that first All Black game in Townsville. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. The Wallaby. Um, but yeah, it's 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 all of them are tight, man. And, and if you think about it, it's both Super Rugby and URC. It's first class rugby, and it's it's you know the scrum is such a important part of possession, um, uh, important source of possession that you can't you can't neglect it. You can't yeah. you know not put in, in energy and effort into it. So everyone in first class rugby, there's no such thing as an easy scrum. Mm. Sometimes it works out for you very well, but I promise you, if you're going to think beforehand, it's going to work out well. It's not going to. Does that yeah. Make- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do you, you're probably better placed than than I am, certainly to to to, to confirm. Or otherwise, is it does it feel like the Wallaby scrum is in the front row, particularly is is coming along pretty well? Yeah, I think so. Uh, those two games just before I got injured end of last year, I think I think they did well. I think they not that I I don't think they were bad. Don't get me wrong. I think they've always had good players. Mm. Uh, top-class players, and yeah, you know, there's a lot of experience there. Kepu has 100 games for for the Wallabies. I don't know, Slippers. Slippers also been playing, you know, for probably, definitely more than 10 years. Yeah, easily. Uh, so there's, there's, there's awesome experience there, and, and, and yeah, I think they're good. Yeah, great. Mate, it's been fantastic to, to talk to you. It really has. Uh, we appreciate you, you giving up some some time on a on a Tuesday afternoon. It's been great. Yeah, awesome guys. Thanks for having me, man. It's really a privilege and it was really fun talking to you. Uh, yeah, France, one of my favorite players. Obviously, huge privilege. Uh, if you wanted to talk to your agent to get more money to buy that farm in Peru, tell Rossi and Jock your plus thirty four and scrum penalties since you began <laughs> to be a buck. <laughs> Seriously, look it up. It's true. <laughs> Cheers, uh, man. Cheers, guys. It's a day. The Roar. Mate, fantastic to speak with friends, Malherba. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, I feel like he we gave him the chance to cover up on some dark arts, but he is pretty happy to let some of them slip out, wasn't he? It's 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 interesting chat. Yeah, what's funny is he almost didn't play rugby. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, uh, a one-legged coach persuaded him, to, shamed him into playing rugby, and now yeah. he's a World Cup champion. Yeah, yeah, hell of a story, isn't it? Um, a few, a little bit of news around, um, as as always, as we as we as we go to air uh, from the on the Wallaroos front. Liz Partu has become the most capped Wallaroos player, uh, albeit in Australia's twelve ten loss to Japan on the Gold Coast uh, on Tuesday evening. Um, some good news on the Brumbies and the Wallabies front. Noah Olaseo. Resigning with uh, both outfits until the end of 2024. That was in the face of a significant offer from Japan, rumored to be a Honda Heat. Um, the round 10 Moana Pacifica Western Force game has been rescheduled for Tuesday, May 24. Um, so they'll slot that in after the Force have played the Chiefs in Hamilton, but before they head home to host the Hurricanes in Perth. So it's between rounds 14 and 15. So that's going to be a busy week for the force. Like we could be potentially be playing for a, 
uh, a top eight spot there. There was some sad news this week, the shock death of, of Samoan Sevens player Kelly Meafua, who died after jumping off a bridge while celebrating a win in France. The uh, back row was playing for Montauban um, in the Division 2. They just had a win over Narbonne. It's it's so sad, mate, isn't it? Ah, oh, man, such a shame. Yeah. It's a horrible, horrible story because they're celebrating. It's, it's just terrible. And too many yeah. of, our, of our Pacific brother friends have you know, been lost. And, I don't know. This this year has been terrible for them. Yeah, yeah. He he was he was in a war, in the Waratahs squad at, um, at one point. He played uh, NRC for the Greater Sydney Rams, played Shoot Shield Rugby in Sydney for West Harbour, and, and our thoughts uh, absolutely with his, um, his family and friends uh, and teammates. Um, there could be some movement on the nation's championship front it looks like there's going to be there's discussions being had at a pretty decent level and there is now support for the concept uh, that would see games in july and november count towards an end of year uh championship with uh, with promotion and relegation so there's there's a fair bit happening on that which we'll find out later this week and also later this week uh we'll find out roughly thursday night friday morning australian time whether australia does indeed uh, secure the 2027 uh, World Cup rights uh, and the 2029 Women's World Cup. So really, really got the fingers crossed there. Um, Mate, did you catch any of the Euro competition on on the weekend? Munster lost their Champions Cup quarterfinal to Toulouse by penalty goal shootout. Oh, it was very dramatic. Uh, I, I read somewhere that they said it's gladiatorial. Yeah. It's gladiatorial yeah. because uh, everyone's going shh before they kick. And probably probably the kickers are like, can you just make some general background? Yeah. Well, look, here's, here's, a, here's a little clip of it right here now. Oh, that's gone wide. That's set off wide, continued wide, and Munster now are right up again. Just never wavered from Antoine Dupont. He's given that a great whack, but it's wide! And Toulouse will celebrate shootout glory! So that was the substitute player for Munster, Ben Healy, missing the third strike. In that clip, it was Connor Murray missing the second shot. Uh, Antoine Dupont got the the fourth, I beg your pardon, for Toulouse. And then when Healy missed, uh, that was that was it. That was four two to Toulouse. The the silence in the stadium is what gets me. It's incredible, isn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I actually like this way of settling things. I'd prefer to drop one player for five minutes and then another yeah. one until you're down to thirteen versus thirteen or something. It would be interesting to do one on ones or something. Yeah. But but it, but it does create a scene. I would say there should have should have a right footed kicker. It's a harder kick to come from uh from the right side that right uh and so i think they should have had their best kicker carberry coming from there but yeah. you know that's that's hindsight i think teams need to think about this coming into the world cup you into a world cup a plan. yeah yeah, yeah so finished 24 really, all yeah. 24 all yeah. in a regulation time there was no further shot no further points despite a lot of field goal shots uh in extra time and so at 24 all after extra time they went into this shootout it's only the second ever shootout and the last one was a, 20, a 2009 quarterfinal when Leicester beat Cardiff, uh, which was incredible. The last round of the URC is this weekend, isn't it? And Sharks and Stormers trail Leinster-Munster. That's the top four, isn't it? Yeah, so I think 
Yeah, I think at this point, it's really just, I think there's five teams with 11 wins. Maybe it's four, five, yeah. four or five teams, 11 wins, trying to jockey for position. So it's turning into a nice comp. Yeah, yeah, it's been been really interesting to see. And uh, and, and obviously, uh, Champions Cup uh, and Challenge Cup semifinals coming this weekend as well. So we're getting to the pointy end in a lot of competitions. We're in round 13 of Super Rugby Pacific this weekend. On Friday night, it's the Highlanders and the Force in Dunedin, followed by the Brumbies and the Crusaders in Canberra. That is going to be absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to be sitting pitch side for that. It's, that's going to be an absolute ripper. Yeah, you had a good article in the Roar talking about the home stretch. You know, for me, I've mm. divided into contenders, uh, people in crisis, and then the teams on the cusp. Uh, to use <laughs> on Jeff, the cusp Jeff of Fox's greatness. Word. Yes, yes. yes. Twig, Twiggy was Twiggy was having a few beers and talked about the cusp of greatness. For the the cusp of greatness. But no, the the Blues, Brumbies, and Crusaders clearly, you know, set apart. And then you have Reds, Canes, Chiefs, Waratahs, just yeah. dogfights. Yeah. And then yeah. The, re- the the rest are just hanging on. Highlanders may have just found that they may have just found enough. Yeah. The two the two number nines. They just need to just need to keep keep their, their nose above the force now. Uh, Saturday it's the Endrua and Moana Pacifica which will be fantastic uh, in Sydney. The, the Endrua's last game in Sydney. The Blues and the Reds could be interesting Saturday afternoon. The Waratahs Hurricanes on Saturday night in Sydney is going to be a cracker. And then on Sunday, it's the Rebels and Chiefs to round out round 13. So two more rounds to go there before the finals. But I think, mate, that is us done for this very special episode 15 of the Royal Rugby Podcast. Don't forget Harry and I, both on the socials and don't forget to drop us a line on the raw when the new episode page lands each week the pod is on all the major platforms now so like follow subscribe do whatever you need to do to ensure the new episode drops into your notifications as soon as it goes live Um, and lots of you are we somehow still don't really know why and how we did it but we managed to debut at number one on the japanese rugby podcast chart this week i don't know how we did it mate but we did it konnichiwa (laughs) It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay and Harry Jones, every week on theraw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate and the home of all your favourite rugby analysis and opinions. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week. Hey, come play with us. (laughs) 